drunkard's haze Just little bodies go We got the band in the basement, Mom The fire on that mountain steel Don't need your plow, that old milk cow Working on this hill Hang up the wagon Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So this is a, we've played him before, it's been a while. His name is Ian No, N-O-E. That's the Harlan County spelling of no. It's my uh, barber when I was growing up with Quentin No, <clears throat> but He's not from Harlan. He's from Lee County, uh, which this, the uh, capital of which, or the city, county seat, is uh, Beattyville. And so if you listen to the lyrics of his songs, it's, it's, it's about everything you've heard about Beattyville. Drugs, drunkenness, you know, crazy people. And uh, this song is called... Madhouse. It's an album. Uh, the album's called Mountain Mountain Fools and Saints. Or River something. Pools River, and Mountain Saints. River Fools and Mountain Saints. And uh, <clears throat> you know he's he's talented. Uh, his his mentor and his idol is and was John Prime and. Uh, he actually opened up for John Prine a few times. I mean, this is a guy coming from Beattyville, Kentucky. Okay, so I think I said River Pools. It's River Fools. Fools and, <laughs> and, and he talked, of course, the Kentucky River goes right through Beattyville. Why'd you get rid of it? I mean, the song wasn't over with you. Anyway. Yeah, it kind of was. So maybe it was. Yeah. Um, I like. This guy, I'd love to have him on the show. He's, I tried to get an interview with him. I mean, it was harder to try to get an interview with uh, Trump. You know, just ask questions, write emails, no answer. And I'm, I maybe, maybe his whole uh, entourage is as dysfunctional as the people he writes about. It could be. I, I don't know. Uh, but. 
he he's an he's he's a real he hasn't put anything out in a while. I, I wonder what's going on with him in terms of touring. I think he's supposed to be touring over in like Stockholm in November. But uh, so uh, uh, I think this kind of music, which I would sort of call mountain grunge, is popular in places in Europe. Hmm. You know, they maybe they relate to it. I don't know. I know he's played at the Burl a few times, maybe more than once. And uh, if anybody knows him and could sort of deliver a message that, you know, I would love to have him on this radio show, that would be great. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. Okay, so we're Mike had to step away. We're down to one guy, Chad. If you don't have something to uh, start off with, I will hum the Aggie War hymn. <laughs> Go for it, Tom. I'm, uh, I'm just kidding. I'd all be, your be entertainment saved. value. The you're Aggie, saved. Mike's the Aggie back. War Mike was going you to are get saved. me. Hum the Aggie War Hello. <laughs> when, when I lived in Texas, uh, they would say either do this or sing the Aggie War hymn, which you know was. Texas A&M, about 80 miles away from where we live. About 100, actually. But anyway, so you've got this thing. It looks like now it's in front of me. Set it and forget it. 401K made you rich. No more. Uh, When they start writing articles like this, it's time to go back to it. Right. This time it's different, but it really isn't. But it's. uh, It ain't different. You know, the article more or less says that you were able to coast with this allocation for a very long time, but now you've got to understand there's going to be other factors in play that haven't been in place since the 60s that, that need to be dealt with. So that's uh, that's the article in a nutshell, and it just says the returns are going to be harder to come by in, in, that, uh, in that allocation going forward. But uh, that's... All right, so just... Yeah. Give me some specifics. Okay, uh, we know what the thing is. But so here's – I, I like about? I like this This statistic is interesting because the one thing that nobody can control is when you're born yep. and what's going on in your lifetime. You know, that's, that's just out of your control. Now, so they use the statistic. Uh, so an investor who put $1,000 into a 60-40 portfolio, that's 60% stocks, 40% bonds – at the end of 1981, after adjusting for inflation, had $18,728 by the end of 2020. Now, you go back to the 1960s. So somebody who started, put aside $1,000 at right. the end of 1965, they ended up with $785 in real terms by 1982. Wow. So... You can't control when you're born. You can control to some extent when you retire. That's something that's somewhat in your control. You can control what you own. You can control to some extent your expenses. So with when you're looking at portfolio management, when you're looking at financial planning, and that also encompasses the investment portfolio that's a that's the piece of that you control what you can control right we can't control the markets but we can view what's happening in the markets 
try to use that to our client's advantage. So you look at what's been happening over for the last year and a half with interest rates. Because um, what this is specifically talking about is essentially valuations, stock valuations going into a high, a, high, a rising interest rate environment. That's yeah. what this was looking at. So if we're in an environment now where valuations market-wide are higher and we're looking at rising rates, that's why it's saying the 60-40 portfolio won't work because you could have stocks going down and bonds going down just like they did last year in 2022. Now, to your point, when they come out with an article like this, they say, well, not going to work anymore. Now, that's kind of capitulation on one side. Sure it is. We're talking two different people here, though. If you're a saver and you're contributing, or if you're early on in your investing life, what's going on in the market right now could be one of the best things that's ever happened to you, yep. a down market, because you're able to contribute by more dollar cost average. That can be excellent for your long-term returns. The flip side, though, and this is where we're going to focus is the person who is is retired or getting ready to retire, a down market can be a very bad thing. Um, it can also give opportunities, though. It, right. it, where it's a bad thing is if it is a set it and forget it kind of a scenario. Because if you're drawing from the portfolio on a regular basis, then... Right now, you're, you're drawing on something that's gone down in value, more than right. likely. Because <clears throat> year-to-date, the S&P 500 is still up. Uh, the Dow is actually uh, basically flat. Um, the equal-weight S&P 500 is negative uh, in the tune of about 4% now. Um, and so it's still really the only thing that's up this year has been tech. Now... If you're looking at your portfolio and you said, hey, well, I've had, I'm up, you know, 10% or whatever. You look at your 401k, be careful yep. because that means that you're more exposed to growth and tech. Yep. And if you're getting ready to retire, you have to really consider, is that proper on how to be invested going into retirement? So the thing that this, everything you've just mentioned the thing that this has led us to as a firm is we can't control the market, but we are in a market which for pretty much all asset classes has, has been bearish, hasn't gone up very well. And the parts that have look like they may come back too. Given that that's the case, we want to be invested in things that produce current income cash flow we may have to watch them decline some in share price but as long as they're throwing off dividends and if there's a chance that some of that can be reinvested we have the opportunity to uh, build equity over time by the reinvestment of dividends or if you're in retirement at least we can help and maybe completely fund your withdrawals from your retirement plan by investing in these things that produce current income and are good businesses. Their share prices may decline. It has happened. And 
so we think that that's a pretty good investment solution for such a time as this. Now, if you can find things that are legitimately going to grow in this environment, regardless, great, go for them. And there are areas, there are pockets of things that are growing and are going to grow. Uh, and they have headwinds. We, you know, we've seen it in the insurance area. We've seen it in certain areas, the, the areas that have not rolled over. Um, but uh, you got to be a good stock picker. And that's, we're not really stock pickers in the growth area. We are more in the income area. What we're building, even if it has bonds and stocks in it, it's more like a bond portfolio. Right. And trying to predict what interest rates are going to do is just a fool's errand. I mean, it, it's, you're never going to, well, without an extreme amount Actually, of luck, you're not, not going to top tick or, or pick it. Hard. Once the Fed says they're going to, uh, you know, quit raising interest rates, it's historically been the case that they begin to drop after a while, but you, you don't know. Well, and I'm talking about just getting the exact top tick yeah. here, but the, the general trends, you're right. I mean, the Fed is the old adage, don't fight the Fed. I mean, the Fed is still saying that they're willing to raise rates if they, if they need to. And until they give us the all clear, uh, the markets are going to react negatively. And to that's that. why you may not hear an all clear. Because right. Because they, they want to keep things kind of on, on, on hold, if you will. Right. And it's, it's uh, in the current environment right now, the, the market just seems to be struggling to find its footing, really. I mean, it's, it's both true in the fixed income and the equity market. And what we're seeing are some just huge reactions to earnings news. This, we're in our earnings season right now, and you're seeing you know, 10 to 15% swings in companies that either up or down, depending on how they report earnings and what they say about the next quarter. I mean, people right. are just, they're, they're really scared. Because they right don't now. have anything yeah. to grab onto. Right. You know, I just did a, Last hour was about the uh, new Speaker of the House. I think him or his staff should come out with a press release addressed to the bond market to say, we are going to reinstitute fiscal discipline. That alone, I think, <laughs> could rally bonds uh knowing that, yeah, we're going to get a lot of treasuries for a while, but we're going to take the steps necessary to begin to uh, turn the budget process around and make it a lot better than what it has been. And I, and I think that's where it needs to go. I thought when you saw the uh, new speaker get elected, uh, you would see that. Uh, you really haven't seen it. Um, they need to start talking to Main Street and Wall Street and saying, Guys, we're going to get this thing together. And you look at uh, the PCE and the GDP numbers that have been coming out. I mean, the GDP numbers were strong. Um, PCE was about, you know, that was expected. It was in line. Um, but to that point, you look at people that have cash on hand now, and you look at the consumer and the spending, um, it's – what the Fed, what the Fed has done, they've allowed those that you know have cash, have savings. They're more comfortable spending now because you're earning you know four to five percent 
yeah. on your cash now. Uh, just the same thing with, you know, corporations that are earning now. Um, and so that's part of the reason that, that the consumers continue to be strong is because they've raised rates. If they hadn't raised rates, the consumer might not be as strong because they'd be spending down that cash even quicker. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's defied all odds, if you will, market odds on how resilient the economy and the consumer's been the last year. Yeah, well, it's been. But you wonder how much of it is maxed out credit cards. And at some point, you know, they're just going to, you know, that ain't going to keep working. Right. Well, you, you are seeing areas, you know, uh, uh, auto loans. You're seeing default rates pick up there. Um, so their credit cards are going to get crushed. Yeah. I think, you know, if you own credit card issuer stocks, be careful. Yeah. Well, what bringing this back to the whole 60, 40 portfolio, I mean, what, what you're seeing right now is the market trying to find its footing on pricing. Uh, you, you have to have some sort of an idea of what you think inflation is going to do. If the fed's really going to, to get on top of it or not, uh, the, getting mixed signals from the economy right now. But I mean, what that means is the uncertainty is still very high. And going back to Tom's earlier point, we, when you know what you own and you're investing for income, you basically go back to the, the building blocks of, of, uh, of wealth creation and wealth uh, maintenance. It's just, you, you go ahead and, and take the bird in hand. I mean, you get the money that you, that, that they're, the companies are paying you or that the bonds are paying you. And then you uh, tread carefully with these, uh, more risky asset classes right now. You try to look for stuff that's cheap and invest there. I mean, you can't just throw it all in a in an index fund and, and call it a day like you have been doing for really a few decades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what he said, yeah. <laughs> now, you might be able to if you're if you're still contributing. Yeah, that's yeah, a different yeah. that's a different that's story. Right. Um, now there might be better options or there might be fine tuning that can be made to that. Um, but if you're dollar cost averaging, that's one thing, but if you're right. drawing or if you're retired, um, then that, that's where the issues come about. Yeah. No, I mean, almost any asset class, if you keep buying it over a long period of time, at some point you'll have a profit in some part of it. Yeah, that's right. So the thing is, and, 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 the S&P 500 is a long-term dollar cost averaging thing. It's probably as good as anything else. I yeah. mean, you know, because in a sense, it doesn't really matter that much. It, it, well, it does. You hope it would have an upward trajectory over time. But um, you're buying more shares when the price is down. That's the nature of dollar cost yeah. averaging. If you continue to put the same dollar amount in, you're – and it is a wonderful way to build wealth. Just look at people that come in here. That's right. People from UK, people from Toyota, people from all sorts of places who have these really nice, large 401ks and 403bs that, uh, you know, they, they didn't do that because they were smart. They did it because they were deliberate and and uh, depend, dependable and consistent. Yeah. It, it wasn't genius that got them there. Right. It, it wasn't a stock pick that got them no, there. No, it wasn't. Now, it wasn't probably even a mutual fund pick. That's it right. Was, 
just invest, putting it in the market and, do it and just and, continuing to do it. But where you see problems a lot of time is where they, they set it and forget it. They're close to retirement. Now you've got a larger chunk yeah. of money. You've got to make and some changes. You've got to make changes. You have to draw from it because I mean, we've seen, we've all seen people who thought they could continue to withdraw the growth. And if the growth stopped growing, you know, even for a short while, I mean, even for a couple of years, and then you can really dig deep into your the principle of your plan by continuing to take these withdrawals if the market's down 20 30%, and you really poke a hole in your portfolio. So uh, that's something you got to watch out for. Well, people got lulled into a false sense that they had to do that because bonds weren't paying anything, cash wasn't paying anything, but that's different now. So you can go back to, to have income from fixed income investments in cash. Right. All right. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like to learn how we can make your money work for you, come see us. 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website, dupreefinancial.com, and schedule an appointment directly on our homepage. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Financial Hour. Stay tuned. We got the band in the basement, Mom. Fire on that mountain steel. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. You've heard me describe bonds as being timely investments lately. Recently, there have been numerous pieces of economic news which may be pointing to a recession. One of them is that credit card use among consumers has declined. Recessions almost always are accompanied by lower interest rates. Lower interest rates mean generally higher bond prices. At many times in the past, the best time to buy things have been when the outlook is unfavorable. For a no-cost, no-obligation examination of your retirement investment portfolio, Call the Pre-Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at DupreeFinancial.com.
Running loads down those winding roads, he'd bring them hills alive. So gotta be a madman if you choose. Strip job blues, strip job blues. Say what you gain, don't compare to what you lose. Keep it low when the mountain goes. Don't be staring at your shoes. Walking around these strip job blues. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. That's another one by Ian. Oh, sounds just like John Prine. Um, Strip job blues, and it sounds like a guy that's actually been on a strip job because he's talking about strip mine job. Yeah, maybe things that go on on one. You know, I mean, it's can be pretty scary. I've I've been on one in Harlan County. I was glad to get out of there alive. A lot of stuff moving around. Never been on a a working strip mine <clears throat> just old strip mines and in rush you know we'd that's where growing up that's where we would you know ride dirt bikes for miles and hours on end um, it's a good place to ride once it's not mining anymore. it was great yeah they've actually turned that uh all the, the, those old strip mines they've turned it, it's called rush off road now and it's, oh, it's it? massive massive um, oh thousands of acres probably yeah yeah uh, but yeah, growing up, that wasn't the case. It was just the, the old strip mines, and you know, you'd take an extra gas can with you, and you'd ride for six hours, not hit the same trail twice. Well, and it was just, right? it was just, it was amazing. That, uh, that's so cool. uh, become kind of like a destination for a lot of these uh, crawlers and yeah, off-roaders. So. Yeah, that's that's the big thing now. The yeah. crawlers. Um, what is a crawler? It's like a dune buggy. It's oh, a do- yeah. it's a dune buggy on steroids. Th- there's people that. Drive those things down in Rockcastle, where, where I have a place, and I mean the tires on them are there's like monster mutter tires. Yeah, yeah, big tires, like mm-hmm. fifteen psi though, just really low inflation, so they can get through about anything. I think. A little side note on that, and then we'll get to the get to this. But it was so cool. We had two dogs and big dogs, and they're farm dogs. They run along with you. They, they would start off with us, they and they'd tried. be they'd be right along with us for you know a half hour. They disappear. We kept we keep riding, and come back with a ten a minutes deer, carrying a deer. Ten minutes later, I mean we'd be, you know, I don't know how many miles away. Ten minutes later, they were right there with us. So they were they were following the sound, and then they just knew like the shortcuts. And I mean they they would stay with us the whole time. It was it was they were the coolest dogs. So, but anyway, uh, that was a side note. So back back to this. Interest rates, bonds. Here we go. Um, now, this this was a, an article. Another form of strip mining. No, yeah. Cutting them into strips. Yeah, yeah there you go. That was, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I tell you, I am fairly smart. <laughs> and and nobody's saying, oh, but yes, sir. My eyebrows went up. Yeah. Okay. No. And we were all joking. Well, we well were actually, thinking, as, a, as a side note, explain what a, what a strip is. All right. A strip is, is no, I, I'm not that smart. I have a lot of experiences. Let's put it that way. 
So back in the early 80s when interest rates were extremely high and people began to realize, you know, they may not be that high forever, uh, they would separate the coupons on a bond from the uh, principal payments. And they would sell the coupons as zero coupon bonds, meaning that you only got to collect them when that coupon would come due out in the future. So if you had a bond, let's say it was 1984, and you had a bond that the, the final maturity was, I don't know, 2014. Uh, no, it'd be like a 30-year bond then. Yeah, 2014. So that bond would pay interest payments until 2014, and then it would pay the principal. You could strip off. You'd have to have a big block of these bonds to do this, like $100 million worth. You could strip off all the coupon payments that would be coming due every six months for the next 30 years and sell them. You would price them at whatever zero coupon bonds were selling at in that particular maturity range and, and, and sell them separately. And then you would sell the principal payment. You would discount the principal payment out in 2014. That would be a big amount of zeros due in 2014. You would sell that uh, at a discounted price because, of course, you not don't have your principal for 30 years. And you'd sell all those zeros or uh, all those uh, coupon strips uh, along the way. And um, there was, at one point, there was an arbitrage, meaning that zero coupon bonds were trading at a much lower yield, higher price than straight coupon bonds. If you stripped off the coup- the coupons and the principal, you could sell them at a lower, uh, actually a higher price, lower yield than the uh, straight bond with all the coupons attached. So you could go out and buy $100 million worth of bonds, strip them, and maybe realize $110 million. You know, there was big money in it. Mm-hmm. Today, I don't think those arbitrages are as... And Merrill Lynch was the first one to come up with this. And they call them CATS, C-A-T-S. Coupon accrual, accrual treasury something or other. And uh, or certificates... Of a certificates of accrual on treasury securities. That's what it was, cats. Hmm. And then they, they called them strips and they called them all these other things. But they were all the same thing. They were simply zero coupon bonds on the treasury. So reason I asked ask you to explain that, because bonds, you know, in general, you think a bond, well, it has a, a, a coupon and a maturity. And there, it's real coupon simple. Coupon is the current interest payments you get every year for owning the bond. Right. And so you think, well, bonds, real simple, nothing you know complicated about bonds. Not true. Bonds, the principle of, uh, when I say print, the concept of how bonds work is simple. But they can be complicated in the way that they're structured, the issuance. Absolutely. There's specific things about every bond that's right and what we've seen uh in a uh, in a 
declining rate environment that we were in for so long, you saw the large index funds try to essentially simplify bond investing because they're making it quote unquote easy to invest in with the the index funds, the bond index funds. Right. The problem with that is bonds they get complicated. And this this little statistic, I, I thought it, it just it illustrates how complex it can be. So with a with a stock, if you own Verizon stock, you have Verizon stock. There's yep. there's one issue of Verizon stock. Now you get something like Berkshire, you'll have an A share and a B share and different things, but generally there is one share class for most stocks. Verizon has three hundred and twenty eight different fixed income securities. Good Lord. Each one has a different coupon, a different maturity, or a diff- different call date. <clears throat> so when you're looking at the broad bond market, and this is corporate bonds we're talking about here, to try to index the bond market is, you, you really can't do it perfectly. Because no. a lot of these fixed in, fixed income instruments, they don't trade every day, no. so you, you don't have that immediate mark to market. And there's there's all <laughs> kinds of corporate bonds. You have what are called shelf registration bonds. They there are reg. Those are kind of oddball type bonds, um, and they're oddball in the sense that they just don't trade very often. Um, and then you have other kinds of straight up corporates. You've got government agency bonds, which some people sometimes call corporates, like TVA, which are guaranteed by the Treasury. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Right. So when you're investing in bonds, um, you have to be very careful. Um, I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about, you know, the difference between, you know, indexing on the, you know, for equities for the stock portion you know the differences in you know picking an individual security you do the research you have you know more than likely a higher dividend yield if you're investing for income those types of things but the same principle is even more true on fixed income because these index funds and you've seen it they try to do it even on the equity side they're trying to take an illiquid security. Let's say it's a high-yield corporate bond uh, fund. They're trying to take an illiquid security and make it liquid in an ETF structure. Um, that's asking for problems because you can't have a derivative product, that something that derives its value from something else that's more liquid than that underlying security. Right. Um, I thought this on municipal bonds, um, it was given the number of issues out there. So in the muni bond market, there are over 1.1 million individual bonds from over 50,000 different issuers. Yeah, they're they're all kinds. So this, again, going back to what we were talking about the first time, the 60-40, set it and forget it. Um, When you have a massive upheaval in a market which you have had in the bond market over the last year and a half massive 
you're going to have dislocations in different parts of that market. Some stuff, it'll be hard to even know what it's worth because it doesn't trade very often. You know, and in a down market, the sketchier type issues, and there can be nothing wrong with them. It can just be that they don't, they're kind of off the run issues. Sometimes it's hard to get a bid on them, you know, mm-hmm. and especially when nobody's wanting to buy any bonds. Right. I mean, they, they'll just give you a throwaway bid. Mm-hmm. Well, you saw it in uh, other illiquid things last year on like uh, commercial or uh, in real estate, specifically on some of these uh, 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 privately held REITs where they, you know, they locked up, you know, uh, withdrawals from it. Um, So those types of things, markets can lock up. um, But that's when you if you're if you're researching and buying individual, be it bonds, equities, that's when you can find opportunities when things do become quote unquote illiquid or market markets lock up because you can have <coughs> a good bond. <laughs> what? We got to get you some cough syrup. <laughs> I got water. I got another sip here. Um, so you better talk. You better finish quick then. Can you imagine one sip. if you were a politician? <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Couldn't talk as much. That actually, that wouldn't be bad, right? No. Mike Johnson, what could he run for? <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah, yeah. He's our Mike. That's right. You but, you gotta you guys gotta listen to my first hour. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I talked about we talked a lot the comparisons about Mike between Mike Johnson and Huey P. Long, which oh, is yeah. famous. Um, Louisiana politician from the 30s. Yeah. And if you didn't hear the first hour and you're listening to the financial hour, you can always find the first hour on our website, DupreeFinancial.com, under the radio tab. While we've got a few minutes, let me just jump in here. We believe, and we could be wrong, but we believe that there is a juncture here, a point at which interest rates will really not go a whole lot higher. We believe if we're not there right now, we're pretty close. And historically, and, and, and we base things on what's happened in the past. We try to learn from the past. It has very often, almost always, been a good time to buy uh, longer-term fixed income assets, which could be bonds. I mean, you might be able to buy preferreds. You could, you could buy uh, dividend-paying stocks where the dividend is fairly reliable, which will behave like a bond. At this point in the tightening cycle, which is I think we're either there or close to being there, in history it's been a good time to start buying ta- uh, bonds here. Now, you say, well, what if you don't pick the bottom? Well, you may not. But the good thing about bonds and or dividend-paying stocks is that while you wait for that bottom to be put in, you're going to be collecting dividends or interest. You're going to get – I don't think most people really get that. Yeah. It's not – it's a foreign concept because the easier concept is, oh, I just buy and it goes up. And that's real easy if it works that way. But sometimes it won't go up, and you got to find something to do with your money. You can buy things like what we're talking about, and you need to give us a call. 
come by and see us. We can help you get in a portfolio set up that's paying a higher than average uh, dividend and or uh, interest payout that could be either used to uh, fund a lifestyle or allow those things to just reinvest as you collect the interest. The best place to do that is inside of a, a 401k IRA or some sort of uh, uh, tax deferred account. So, Well, and you say uh, you got to do something with your cash. If you do nothing, I mean, that is a decision that you're making Absolutely. to do nothing with it. And you are basically, if you do nothing and uh, just bury it in the backyard or something similar, you are losing purchasing power. Well, yeah, but right now you, you are getting a nice return on if you're, in, if you're in money market. Some people right. are just keeping their money in checking account. I mean, I told checking one guy the pay other day, nothing right he's now. got $400,000 in an account paying almost. I said, you could put that into a money market fund. Yeah, well, my wife, she's kind of funny. So you're keeping $150,000 more than the FDIC insured limit in a bank, and but your wife's good with that. But she's not good with a government-backed money market fund sure. that's better secured. See, that's the thing where people just do things that don't make sense. Yeah. I mean, they don't even make good sense. So, Chad, I mean, inevitably, that brings us to the question. How do you like them, Louie? <laughs> I like Trying to uh, get you, you, you gave not, me, you gave, a a, you gave me grief. No, he gave me grief last time because I gave a general answer. Non-answer. No, I like fixed income here. I do like fixed income. Here. Okay, and longer maturity fixed income. But what what I always come back to is that famous Ben Graham quote that says, "In the short run, the market is a voting mechanism. In the long run, it is a weighing mechanism." Oh, that's good. And if you just Remember that when you're looking at these short-term fluctuations, the volatility in the market that's making prices do things that you don't think make sense. Just remember, in the long run, value will be uh, it will be uh, realized if you just be patient and don't don't uh, let your emotions get the better of you. Well, it's, you look at any you know long well said. <laughs> you look at any long-term real returns. Um, you compare stocks versus bonds, cash, uh, even real estate, um, you know, equities long-term have been the best uh, when you're, uh, even when you're looking uh, inflation adjusted, because remember you're investing in companies that can adjust with prices, adjust prices up. Here's how I put it. A dividend paying stock is a long-term bond with a variable coupon. A growth stock is a long-term zero-coupon bond with a variable coupon. You know, bonds, stocks are bonds. They're just, no, they're not. Yeah, I'm not saying they are, but I am saying they are. Um, Okay. What they are is it's a security upon which one wishes to get a return on the principal and of the principal. And that security has a duration, which is the time at which one gets one's money back based upon with a stock or with a bond. It's very calculable, especially a bond. That's not going to have uh, prepayments of, of principal. 
um, with a stock, it's incalculable. It's only discoverable when you sell it. That's when you know what your duration was, in a sense. So, I don't know. I just thought I had to put that in. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like to learn how we can make your money work for you, call us, 859-233-0400. You can also book an appointment with us directly on our website, dupreefinancial.com, on our homepage. We appreciate you listening to our financial hour. So gotta be a madman if you choose. It's strip job blue. Strip job blue. Say what you.